going to learn what scripture uh, has got to say all about living a life worthy of our calling. Before we go any further, I've got a question for you guys. I've got several questions for you this morning, so be, be ready, okay? I've uh, got a question for you. Do people really pay attention to how followers of Jesus live? Do they? Absolutely, they do, don't they? Okay, so that's the easy part of the question. Hard part is why? Because you're, we're different. Okay? They want to see what's different. Why else do they see what we're doing? They follow, watch what we're doing. Well, I think sometimes they want to see if you do something wrong or if you're criticized. Okay, well, so, so sometimes they want, to, they want to see if we mess up. They, 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 could, they could jump on us. But, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say it in a slightly different way. I think it's the same thing. But they want to see if we're real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So they want to see what we really believe. We, you know, it's one thing, right? I mean, on, on Sunday morning, look, we all look real shiny and nice, don't we? You know, I can clean up at least one day a week, right? But no, I mean, the real thing is how do we live out there, right? How do we live where life really takes place? And that's why people watch us, because they want to know if all this stuff we talk about on the day we're looking shiny and nice is actually how we really live our lives, okay? So... All right, so with that in mind, let's, uh, let's go into today's scripture. We're going to read Ephesians. We're in chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to break it into two. So we're going to read the first 16 verses right now. Okay, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. It says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as God apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right, these, uh, these past three weeks as we studied these first three chapters of Ephesians, what we've really seen, what we've learned, is that those chapters 
describe for us as followers of Jesus what you might call the blessings, the honors, the privileges uh, that come with being a follower of Jesus. Some people might call it our identity in Christ. It's who we are in Christ. With chapter 4, with today, uh, we kind of turn a page on that. And now, with chapter 4, what we start to see is these passages start to instruct us. They start to instruct us in the expectations that come with being a child of God. And maybe we just call what our practical response to that should be. That sounds like something we need to know. So, here's the deal. The fact is, God calls us to act like the new creations, the new people that we have become in Jesus Christ. There should be a difference, shouldn't there? So when those people watch us, they actually see a different life than they would otherwise. So, uh, as we begin, let's just kind of, that quick review of what we just read, those first verses. First, it, it encouraged us to live a life worthy of the call that you've received. All right, now this is not a trick question, but I want you to think, this is, we've read this a lot, but I want you to think, what is the calling that you've received? What is that call that we've all received as followers of Jesus? Yeah, we've, we've, we've been called to be a follower of Jesus, right? That's part of the calling we've all received, right? And then what else? Any other thoughts? He's called us to become all that he created us to be, right? He, he called us to become a follower of Jesus, but then we studied a few weeks ago about the good works he prepared in advance for us to do. So as we become a follower, he also has called us to become all that he created us to be. Okay, then it said, part of that verse, it said, what? it tells us to live worthy, right? To live worthy of your calling. What, what does that look like? What does that mean to live worthy of the calling? What does that look like to someone else in you? They, they can see that we've changed, yeah. They can see that we're not like we used to be or that we are at least that we are about what we talk about. Okay, that's great. Well, this, the next few verses identify some of those behaviors and you know, what are some of those things that people might expect to see or what, is it, what are some of those things we want them to see, right, when they look at us. Interestingly enough, when it listed some of those behaviors that we would want to be exhibiting, uh, it, it mentions humility. Isn't it always a bummer how it starts with the hard ones? <laughs> it always starts with the hard ones, okay? mentions humility and then gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. Okay, one more question here. Why are these attributes, these ways of living, so important? Well, it, it, it shows that you know, we care. Yeah. It shows that we care. And God, and God wants us to love and care for other people. And so these, if we will show, if we will, if people, when they look at us, right, if they would say, you know, if, if I said, hey, I'm, you know, so-and-so, tell, tell me some words that would describe them, right? You know, tell me, tell me a few words that, you know, when you hear that name, what do you think about, right? 
Well, you know, if they say mean, selfish, you know, that's no, right, you know, but, but what we want them to say, oh, that person is, that's somebody who lives, they live humbly. Humbly doesn't mean little, does it? It just means you're not always demanding your own rights and expecting everybody to serve you and, okay? You know, humility, okay? At, and then gentleness and patience. Don't we want those things for, for ourselves? Don't we want other people to treat us with gentleness and patience? I need it a lot. <laughs> I need people to treat me with patience a lot. Okay, but we need that. And we want people to love us and care for us. And so that's one of the reasons why we need to be demonstrating that to others. Okay, so they're important because we... because. We need to be those people of humility and gentleness and patience, just like we said, if we want to be like Jesus, because that's how he lived. Then we can be one body. It talked about the scripture that we do these things to be one body because we're the body of Christ. And so when it talked about with the same spirit and one hope, here's, here's what's really interesting about a group of believers. Okay, a group of believers now, right? is that, I mean, if you look around the room, right? I mean, we, we have all kinds of people here, right? We're, 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 we're diverse in age, we're, you know, gender, we're, we're just diverse, okay? And probably we may all think some things differently about some things in life. I mean, you know, we may, you may not like a certain kind of food I like, okay? We may have some differences, but as followers of Jesus, we can live in unity because there's something bigger. There's a higher thing in life than whether you like your toast burned or buttered, right? You know, there's other things in life. And so to be like Jesus, we can, be, we can still be diverse, and yet we can be totally united in our faith. The thing that I really like about what he's done, too, is is Paul doesn't say, right, when he's called us to be one in spirit and one, right, one, one in our hope, okay? Let's remember what he doesn't say. That's equally important. What Paul, he tells us, uh, Paul doesn't say we got to be one in culture, okay? Or we got to be one, we got to all speak one language, right? Or, in fact, he doesn't say we got to be one in anything else that some of us might think is really important. But the only thing that's truly important is that we see each other, all of us, as the body of Christ. Because when we focus on that, there's the unity. As we see each other as the body of Christ, one body. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go just a little deeper on that one point right there, okay? That one body. Let's go practical. You've got one body. I mean, literally, right? You've got one body, okay? So, now, if your foot... Anybody's foot ever hurt them? Anybody's foot hurt them right now? <laughs> okay. In fact, in fact, if your foot's not hurting you, anybody here got a little pain somewhere? You don't have to tell me where it is, but you got a little pain somewhere? Yeah, okay. Now, here's the point. So let's say your foot's hurting you right now. Well, I mean, that's kind of annoying, isn't it? Wouldn't you be happier if your foot wasn't hurting? Yeah, okay. You're going to cut it off? Are you going to, are you going to, you're going to, Pound on? Are you, are you going to talk mean to it? Are you going to yell at it? No. Okay? If your foot was causing you some difficulty or some pain, you wouldn't cut it off because you know you need your foot. Right? You know you need it. So you'd figure out 
how to help it get healthy again. You'd figure out how to try and bring it back. Okay. Well, it's the same with other parts of the body within the church, with other people. There's going to always be somebody around in your life that's going to, let me just be real blunt, going to annoy you a little better. Somebody that just, you, just they don't see things the way you do. But we're, man, I mean, that's somebody else in the church even. But you know what? We're all called to be one body. And, we, and, and just like you would with your own body, you wouldn't kick that part out. You wouldn't yell at it. You'd try to figure out how to bring it back in and love it and be patient and kind. That's what we're called to do. It's the same with these other parts of the body within the church, with those people. They need our gentleness. They need our kindness. They need our patience to help them get back to functioning properly to become all that God created them to be. And that's the role we have. So now we'll go back to Paul. And, you know, that, you know, we see all of us as that one body that we're all led by the same Holy Spirit. We're all led by the same Holy Spirit and that we share the same hope of salvation and eternal life in Jesus. Because verse 5 in our passage we read said, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, Father of all. Okay, so next after that, Paul tells us about what's called the fivefold ministry of the church. The gift of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church. Each of them said this, with an assignment from God. Each of them with a unique assignment. Now, let me apply this passage right here within our own body. So we understand. Because this is meant right here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Cindy, was called by God to serve in the ministry. As a result... According to Paul, according to God's word, she's a gift to this church. She's a gift to this body of believers. So then the verses following describe why their assignments, her assignment, are so important. And it's to equip God's people to build up the body so that unity and maturity in faith can be achieved. Can be achieved. Okay. Here's the reason why that's so important. That that word maturity. Because when we're mature in our faith, and let's just flesh that out just a little bit. I mean, when we're mature in our faith, we understand what God's word says, right? We may not we may not like all of it even, but we understand it. We know what it is. Okay. But but we we and we understand what we believe. We understand. Why we believe what we believe. And we understand God's word. Okay, the more you understand that, the more difficult it is for the enemy to deceive you. The more, the more you understand the real thing, the more easily you'll recognize the fake thing. Finally, then since every part of the body of believers is functioning in its proper role, then that way the church is built up, the body of believers is built up and verse 16 said, as each part does its work. We, just like back to your body and your foot or your hand or your neck, you know, if it's hurting, you need to help get it well because we need all the parts of our body to work together so that we can, like, walk out to our car and leave in a little bit, right? I mean, we need all the parts to function properly. Well, the body of Christ is meant to function properly like that, too, just like a healthy body, okay? 
All right, so with all that in mind, let's continue and let's read the rest of today's scripture. So that's Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17 and through 32. So Paul says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your, in your uh, anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing should stop. They must no longer steal, but work to do something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How many of you would acknowledge that God has been very patient with you? God has been very patient with you. And he's helped a lot, hasn't he? I mean, okay, yeah. And, and, and would, you also, would you also be willing to acknowledge that he's not only been patient with you, but he's had to forgive you for some stuff? Yeah, maybe like, you know, already today, somewhere, you know, right? I mean, you know, okay. Then all this, if you want to sum up this, everything we just read, then what it says, if, if what we just said was true for you, then he's just saying, then do that for others. Then do that, then do that, live that way for others. Those verses, they make clear that becoming a follower of Jesus isn't just a strategy for improving your life. Okay, like we said a while ago, it's not just a fresh coat of paint. That, that fo becoming a follower of Jesus is a total transformation. Scripture speaks of a renewed mind, a renewed heart, and a renewed will, and new desires that line up with God's best for you. Then he describes this transformation as putting off the old self and putting on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And the remainder of those verses in chapter 4 describe what that new life looks like. Once we've done those things, once we've put off the old self, put on the new self, and we've transformed our heart and our mind, renewed it. What does it look like? It's a life of speaking truthfully, rejecting anger, not stealing, but working to earn what you need. 
You know, I, I learned, I, 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 I thought something was really cool a few years ago. I was reading that verse, and it says about anyone who's stealing must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with others in need. That's the part that caught my eye. It wasn't stop stealing and do your own work so you can feed yourself. Do you know what I mean? Or so you can buy yourself a new TV. No, he says go to work so that you can be a blessing to other people. I'll tell you why I thought that was, that was like a poof, big thought. That's why you can pray with confidence when you need a job. That's why when a friend or a family member is unemployed and is looking for work and you want to pray and ask God to bless them with a new job, in fact, maybe the best job they ever had, I mean, we need faith when we pray those things, right? Because those are big, important prayers. The, the, I think the biggest reason we can pray that in faith is because God doesn't want to just give them a job so they can eat steak instead of ground meat. He wants them to have a job so that they can not only meet their own needs, but they overflow so they can become a blessing to others. So I think that's a prayer God wants to answer. So if you know anybody that needs a job, I know right now it's pretty hard to find people. Everybody's got one that wants one, it seems like. But, but I mean, I just love that. Okay? So anyway, we're, we're, we're called to be these new people. The other thing it calls us to do is to be an encourager. He says to build other people up. Have you ever been encouraged too much? Have you ever had, have you ever had, had to tell somebody, please, 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 no more encouragement. I, I've, oh, I can't take any more kind words from you. Please, please. No, you know what? I think most of us, if we were really to tell the truth, we're starving for it. We're starving for it. Okay? Because too many times the people around want to tell us all about them. They don't ever ask us anything about us. Okay? We're dying for encouragement. For someone who would take the time to notice enough about us to find the good, to point it out and build us up. Now, you talk about do people notice if, if are we a follower of Jesus and do they watch our lives to want to see if anything's different. There's a way to be different. Be an encourager. You'll, you'll stand out like a shining light. Because the world doesn't have enough encouragers. Doesn't. Okay. Look, here's, here's really, in a simple way, here's how this bo all boils down. Can I suggest that we ought to all remember that the only reliable evidence that any of us are actually followers of Jesus, okay, are actually followers of Jesus, has got nothing to do, really, with our past experience of receiving Jesus. It's got everything to do with the degree to which our current life reflects him. I could tell you a lot of stuff about me. It might not be true. I mean, I can, I can tell you all kinds of things about my past. What happened, didn't happen, should have happened. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. The best reflection, though, the best proof that what I tell you is true is when you look at my life, what do you see? When I open my mouth and I talk, what do I say? Okay. Truth is, new creations should live like new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. So, based on all this, right, everything we've studied this morning and talked about, I think the practical question 
for all of us should be to ask, well, then how can I live my life? How can I make sure I'm living my life worthy of that calling, right? Worthy of that calling to be that son and or daughter of God. So let's just take a minute and say, well, then, okay, how do you live a life worthy of the calling? What would be some attributes? What would be some things we'd do, okay? Well, the first thing, which is pretty simple, but it's what we said right there, is you've got to be a new creation. I mean, that, without that, right, you don't, all the stuff after it doesn't really happen. Okay, obviously that begins by becoming a follower of Jesus. But uh, I guess I would say in verse 17, it kind of said it differently. I'll just sum it up. It says, but examples of being a new creation, one of them would be simply not living like someone who's not a new creation. Our life ought to be a little different. Other verses say we should speak truthfully to others, but in love. We got a lot of people talking to us, but sometimes they don't use love. They're so anxious to tell us what they think, what they know, and what we're doing wrong, there's no love. Okay? I, I don't know about all of you, I respond a whole lot better to love. Okay? So we need to make sure whatever we do is we're speaking truthfully, yes, but in love. Easy to say, hard to do. Call to do it. Okay? Then it says we're supposed to say things that are helpful. Verse 29, it said, say things that are helpful for building others up according to their needs. You know, I don't know about you, but most people I've known in my life that their lives are messed up. When you get beyond the level of, you know, the superficial level, they know their life is messed up. They know it. They may not want to admit it, but they know it. They really don't need us to tell them that. What they really could use is some love, some encouragement, right? And, and, and some things that would build them up. Give, get, remember, play tennis with a better player. Give them something to shoot for. Don't, don't try to fan the flames on what they ought to run away from. They already know that's trouble. But right now, they may not know the better alternative. So the more that we build them up and encourage them, the more they can receive what we have. And then it says for us to... Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Wow, okay. And to, but, but I, I guess I'm one of these guys. I like, we need to read the what's bad. But I really like to read the what I should do. Because if I say, yeah, yeah, I'll stop all this, there's a void that's created. So it's how am I going to fill the void? What am I going to do differently? Then it says, so then what should I do? do, should do? I, should be I should be kind. I should be compassionate. Forgiving other people the same way God forgave you. That was verses 31 and 32. You know, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 that we read sums it up. It says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and then to put on that new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So first step if we want to live a life actually worthy of the calling that we've received, is we need to become that new creation. Second thing we need to do is be equipped for service. Be equipped for service. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people, to be equipped for service. To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Again, I mentioned this earlier, but if you remember a couple weeks ago in Ephesians 2.10, the passage said, For we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if God has prepared things for you to do in your life, first of all, he wouldn't ask you to do something and not equip you to do it. So that's why he's giving, given the, the pastors and teachers and evangelists, and you see what I'm saying? And, and, and it says right there, their job is to equip people to do works of service. Okay, from a practical standpoint in our daily real lives, okay, what are some examples of things that you should be equipped to do, that you can be equipped to do by those leaders that God has placed? Just practically, what are some things you should be equipped to do? Any ideas? Those good, remember, God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. What are some of those kinds of equipping that you need? How to study the Bible. Make sure, right? I mean, some of you have been doing this so long, you'd forget you need that because you already know it. Okay? But, I mean, you need to be equipped to understand God's Word. You need to be equipped to share your faith, to pray effectively. Maybe how to lead a Bible study with your neighbors or your friends. I'm sorry? Know your gifts. That's great. I was To identify your giftings and to develop them, to use them. Right? Those just, that's not even an exhaustive list, that's just, but that's just some examples. I want us to understand what kinds of things practically that could mean. To live, so, so if we're going to live our life worthy of our calling, right, we've got to first become that new creation, but then we've also got to get equipped so that we can be effective and we can go do it. Finally, we need to live like Jesus. We just need to live like Jesus. You know, if you go back, read through the New Testament, and you, and and this is a very interesting thing to do if you've never done it. Just, just kind of jump through it, okay? But read, just read Jesus' encounters with other people. Don't, don't read the before. Don't, just, just read when, he, when, he, when they said hi and they, what, whatever that was said during their encounter and then done. And see what you find. See what kind of stuff Jesus did when he encountered other people. Jesus didn't try and fix them. He helped them to change by becoming a new creation. He called them to something better. Okay? He, we can live like Jesus when we demonstrate humility and we don't demand everything we think are our rights. When we treat people with kindness and compassion and patience, which we've all said has been done for us and we need a lot more of it. Okay? We can promote unity of the Spirit. I've got to tell you, the enemy hates unity within relationships. He hates unity within families. He hates unity within the church because what Satan understands is that when we're divided, we're weak. When we're divided, we're an easy target. Okay? But unity is strength. So we can encourage others in their faith as well as in their daily lives. We can walk by faith. You know, this thing about walk by faith, not just by sight. We're all way more comfortable walking by sight. Right? I'd like to, you know, I'd like to pray and God just put the answer right out there in front of me that I could see it, and then I'd just walk over to it. But would you agree, at least in some areas of life, some things have got to be believed to be seen? Okay? Some things just have to be believed in order to be seen. 
for them to take place. And then we can pray every day. I did, I did something a number of years ago, and I did it for a long time. And I found it an amazing thing to do. I think I've shared it with some of you before. But if you've never done this, I want to encourage you to try this. Try it for like a month. Okay? This is easy. It doesn't cost any money. Okay? Every day when you pray, before you start your day, like at the beginning, so you can experience it throughout the day, I would encourage you to pray, Lord, today, when I pass other people, like at the mall, at the grocery, you know, just when I'm out and about, and I pass other people, when they look at me, let them see Jesus. Try that. And if you do, once you've tried it for a month, come back here and let's have testimonies. Because I'm going to tell you, you will have some things to share that you've never experienced before. Okay? So these are just a few of the things that we could do to be a little more like Jesus. Okay. Would you stand with me as we get ready to close here? Just every, uh, every, every head bowed, all the eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Okay, as we get ready to close, I just, here's your question for today. Today, if you want to commit your life, if you'd say, yeah, today I want to commit my life, that I want to live it every day worthy of the calling of Jesus. If you just say, yeah, that's me. I'm willing to commit to that. Raise your hand. So, yep, I want to live every day worthy of the calling. Amen. Well, Lord, today you've heard and you've seen our hands. You know our hearts. Lord, our, our desire, Lord, is we want to live our lives worthy of the calling. We want to live, Lord, as renewed people, as new creations. We want to actually live like new creations, Lord. And we want to show your love and your patience and kindness and joy and forgiveness and long-suffering to other people, Lord. We want to we want to be we, Lord. We want to promote unity within the body. Lord, we want to see you do great things in the lives of others, and we pray, Father, that you would use us, Lord. Allow us to be a part of that process. And we ask those things in Jesus' name. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort. And good hope through grace, comfort, may he comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen.